Several years ago, I was speaking to a new convert and I asked him, how did you get saved? And he said, I haven't been in this thing very long, but as far as I understand, there ain't but one way. (laughs) Well, that's the truth. What's interesting about what you're going to witness tonight uh, is that on display will be the creativity of God. Now, we know that God is creative in that he spoke the universe into existence, but he is also creative and extremely artful in the way that he has assembled the body of Christ and how there is only one way of salvation, but the stories which have led people to that one path are multifaceted and they are beautiful. So you're going to hear Eight stories that lead to one place, and that is to Jesus Christ. Our first testimony tonight comes from Victoria Nemhart. Uh, she is what I like to call the queen of joy. Uh, there, is, there is not a happier or more joyful woman. Uh, she is known around the church as Jeremiah and Naomi's mother, and uh, she is Lincoln's wife, but she has a story to tell of how Jesus has saved her and what God has done in her life. So would you please welcome Victoria as she comes to share what Christ has done for her. I like the queen of joy. I'll take that. Hi, North Shore. I am Victoria Nemhard, and I am really excited to get to share my testimony with you guys this evening. I grew up in a single-parent household with my sister and my mom. After my first birthday, my parents were separated, and later on, after my sister was born, they got a divorce. As anyone can imagine, divorce can be very difficult on a family, especially children. Thankfully, I give all glory to God that I never felt that brokenness of divorce as a child. My mom was and still is a woman of faith, and her greatest desire was to raise me and my sister in a loving, Christ-centered home. I am also grateful for the opportunity to have grown up in a Christian home because it was truly my foundation for so many years. And at the age of 11, I was saved after acknowledging my sin and my desperate need for a savior. I remember feeling extreme sorrow and guilt for my sin and also learning that that was what separated me from God. Later on, I was baptized at 13 and immediately after that, I assumed that things were going to be perfect. And over time, I quickly learned that's not how salvation worked. As a young believer, I knew there was so much more for me to learn And I started to understand the word of God and the importance of my relationship with Christ. I continued to grow in my understanding of the word of God and started to realize that the church that I was in was no longer feeding me spiritually and didn't line up doctrinally. Me and Lincoln got married later on and we decided to leave our childhood church in order to grow spiritually And we continued to grow at the next church that we attended. But after that, experiencing so much joy, um, I began to seriously struggle with anxiety um, during that time. And I was consumed with a lot of fear and worry and negative thoughts about my life and I told myself I was not going to cry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, fear of man and <laughs> fear of man and fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown is what truly scared me the most because I have control issues. I like to know what's happening. What am I doing? Where am I going? And my relationship with Christ taught me that I have no control. It was just hard to navigate through those emotions, and at times I felt like I was alone. I remember feeling like my life had no value, 
And sadly, I felt like there were times where I no longer wanted to live in order to just feel some peace. The pandemic also caused some doctrinal inconsistencies and spiritual abuse to come to light in the church that we were attending. From then, me and Lincoln decided to remove ourselves completely from that environment. It was just toxic altogether. And I just knew that God had greater for me, but I couldn't see it because of the anxiety. But it, I just knew in my spirit that something has to be better than this. And we began looking into counseling services for me. However, I was scared. And Lincoln, who was my rock, <laughs> he was the one that made the effort to find a counselor for me. There was a lot going on and I just felt like we left two churches and I just felt broken and I just felt like there was just so much church hurt. And truthfully, that season was so discouraging for me because I felt so disconnected due to the pandemic, especially without a church home. And it was during the pandemic I realized the importance of church and being a part of the body of Christ. That was my biggest, biggest fear of where do we go now and what church do we attend? My faith grew weak, but God in his mercy, he continued to lead me and my husband. And I'm truly grateful. I can't stress that enough. We continued to search for a biblical counselor and praise God. I was eventually led to June Rivera. June is really special to me. She understood me. She was sassy, but she understood me. <laughs> she put me in my place, and I appreciated that. It was, it was a lot of walls. In June, the Lord just led her to break down one wall at a time, and I was pregnant. So there was a lot of emotions on top of that, and June just got me. And I'm just so grateful for her. Um, after completing our sessions, I was able to feel more confident about God's word and his sovereignty in my life. That was actually the first time I learned about sovereignty, so I was really excited about that. Um, through the relationship with June, the Lord led my family and I to North Shore Baptist Church. And we truly could not have been more blessed by God's hand on our lives. So on this Thanksgiving service, I simply just want to thank God for his grace on my life and on my family's. And we will continue to praise him for all the good gifts that he has given us, because truly all good gifts comes from, from God. So God bless each and every one of you, and I thank you for welcoming my family and I. And go team for all of you. <laughs> so I, I think we all see what's happening here. She, she is the queen of joy. And June Rivera is the queen of sass. So, and, and you have my permission to use that forever. Sister, thank you so much. And I, even as I'm listening to you speak, I'm wondering how many people can relate to the fact that they were so sorely injured uh, by the pandemic, not through the sicknesses, but from being estranged from fellowship, being estranged from churches, and being... Uh, um, alone. And uh, thanks be to God that he has designed the Christian life for us to be together. And we're so happy that you are with us. So our next testimony comes to us from Siram Babu. Now, interestingly, Siram has invited uh, a couple of friends to join us tonight. Uh, one of them is a gentleman by the name of Matt. I met Matt five years ago today. Uh, I met him shortly after 2 p.m., on Thursday, November 22nd, uh, the day of President Kennedy's assassination and the day of the fire at North Shore Baptist Church. <laughs> For those of you that don't know about the fire, we, it remains a mystery. Like, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. But Matt, it was a fireman, and he came in, assisted in putting the fire out. So, Matt, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you for saving our church. Thank you. <laughs> As Siram comes to uh, give his testimony, I just want to say one thing about the job that he and Stephanie are doing as parents 
and that is we know uh, that it is a spiritual home. Uh, we know that Christ is the priority. Uh, the reason that I know this is because I teach their little boy on Tuesdays in the after school class, and uh, it is very frequent that their son, Micah, on Tuesdays will raise his hand when prayer requests are being taken and he will ask uh, that someone pray for him that he would be saved. And uh, that is very, very, that's very precious. And uh, it shows that salvation is prioritized in the home. So, Siren, would you come and tell us what Christ has done for you? Good evening, church. I, uh, I tell my testimony so that you too might be able to re reflect on the great things that God has done in your own life. I, um, I was raised in a, a household by uh, immigrants from India. And like all immigrants, they brought their culture and their home, their country with them. So I was raised in a Hindu household. Um, we went to temple, uh, the Sri Venkateswara temple. We went to a couple times a month. My mom volunteered in the kitchen um, to serve meals, and my dad regularly donated um, money. We had idols in our home. In a special place, we had a, list, a group of idols. Uh, honestly, I think they were just our favorite ones um, that we prayed to every day. We... Um, we even hung Christmas lights around an icon, and at night we'd turn it on so that the, the evil spirits would stay away, because I guess evil spirits and Christmas don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we, ne we did a lot of other things that I still fully don't understand. We never stepped on books. Uh, we, always said um, we always said thank you for uh, whenever a priest would give us a banana. Um, I don't know why. Um, and I learned prayers in Sanskrit. Sanskrit is a dead language, and I still don't know what it means. But I was told that if I say these words in this way, with this accent at this time, then good things will come my way. I was told that uh, these fantastical stories about the various gods uh, in the in the Hindu pantheon of gods, I did what I was supposed to do. I learned the prayers. I attended the the ceremonies, the rituals. I ate the bananas, um, <laughs> and I was probably somewhere around ten years old when I told my parents that uh, I wanted to be a priest. And to my shock, they discouraged me because they thought, "Well, priests are poor," and and then I thought, "Well, priests also don't wear shirts, so maybe not." <laughs> And, um, but my parents wanted to encourage me, so they gave me uh, my own idols. And so what I did is every day, I sat, every day and night, I sat in front of them and I said the same prayers in Sanskrit. And everything was fine until it wasn't, until I realized that all I had to show for my effort and my devotion and doing all the right things was a dysfunctional family way too much anxiety for a 10-year-old, and a lot of unanswered prayers. When I was 13, I realized not only did I not, uh, I didn't want to be Hindu anymore, I, I declared myself an atheist. Now, I'm not an atheist. I didn't declare myself an atheist because of some prideful humanist reason. I, more just an angsty 13-year-old found a target. So I... Um, I desperately wanted uh, peace, but all I had was anger. And when I was about 16, I began dating a girl who was a Christian. Now, her faith bothered me. I thought it was nonsense and a waste of time. But it's interesting what you'll be willing to overlook for a pretty girl. <laughs> so I did. We dated, and um, just randomly she began sharing scripture to me over the phone. No context at all. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know it was scripture. And then she told me. She said, it's from the New Testament. And I said, did it just come out? So that's how much I knew. And, 
and that's real. That really happened. <laughs> um, eventually, she invited me to her church. And I went to the church because uh, she invited me. And I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in that church. Um, but what I can tell you is I remembered seeing her family and the way that they loved each other was so different than I had ever seen in my life. They were happy, and it was weird. It was really weird. Like, they, they wanted to be together. They wanted to pray for each other. They wanted to pray for me. And um, they wanted to do it with such joy in their hearts that I knew if they said, we'll pray for you, they meant it. And um, as I was driving home one night, I remember thinking, why are they so happy? I mean, because I was always, from my understanding, is my family was better off than theirs. We had more money. We had a bigger house. We had nicer cars. And yet I felt that they had more than I ever did. And I asked her one time, just over the phone, um, I asked her, what, why was her family so, so like this? And uh, she said, Jesus. And then we moved on. Again, no context. <laughs> but the Lord used that simple, almost throwaway answer to really pierce my heart that night. Over the next few weeks and months, I began to realize something about myself, that there was no amount of effort, there was no amount of rituals, there was no amount of anything that could have ever fixed my broken state, that I was destined to be angry and dysfunctional for the rest of my life. So that night, I, I, I cried out to Jesus, and I asked him to save me. And I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that he could save me from myself. So the next morning, I woke up, and I called all of my friends. And I told them that uh, I called all my friends who I spent time doing drugs and drinking with. And I told them that I didn't want to do that anymore. I still wanted to hang out, but I didn't want to do that anymore. And that was the day I lost all of my friends. And as rough as that is on a, on a, on a teenager, it was nothing in compar comparison to how my parents felt about it. It took me a while to build up the courage, but when I did, I told my parents. My mom cried. My dad said he'll have to tell his friends that I was dead and then throw me out of the house. My Bible was torn up and I didn't even know any other Christians in my life. Yet, I knew what I had chosen was worth it because God somehow pierced my heart and was leading me to something better than what I had. So I remembered, and I clung on. Well, after I went off to college, I was baptized. But like a seed planted in shallow soil, I was found myself unable to stand the temptation that comes with most college kids. I did what was right in my own eyes, and as a result, I almost failed out of college. But looking back on it, I am grateful because God used all of my bad choices to remind me how much I needed him. There was no amount of partying or doing anything, any sort of substance that could replace my need for him. By grace, he freed me from the desire of alcohol. He freed me from the desire of, of the flesh and instead instilled in me a desire of things of the spirit. And he gave me the strength and courage to eventually share this gospel with my parents and my brother. Now, they're not, Christ they're not saved yet, but I know that if God can save a sinner like me, he can totally do it again. God never promised a life without struggle. And honestly, I'm grateful. While I was raised to always choose the finer things in life, I'm grateful that God caused me to appreciate the struggle. Because it was in that struggle, I was reminded that there was no mantra and there was no vice that could ever satisfy me or give me peace. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Thank you.
you do not have to be an articulate evangelist. One word, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Excellent job. Our next testimony comes to us from someone who is in the youth group. Uh, Quite often on Sunday mornings, we will have times of prayer where we will invite people to come forward and to request prayer. And Susie Park will often come down the center aisle and she will have a prayer request and that will be a burden for her classmates, for people in her school, or it will be a burden that she has, that she herself will be more evangelistic or that she will have more of a heart for the lost. Uh, This young lady loves the Lord. Uh, All of our youth leaders can attest to that, and you're going to enjoy tonight hearing her testimony. So Susie, come tell us what Christ means to you. That's going to be a hard one to beat. Okay. (laughs) Bananas. Okay. So, hi, my name is Susie Park, and I'm probably going to be the youngest one you see on this pulpit, but here's my testimony. I was born in a Christian home, and I went to church every Sunday. I professed as a Christian, but truthfully, it was just a title inherited by my parents. And I believed God existed and knew all the good answers to the Sunday school or Bible study questions, but yet I still took him for granted and lived lived my life the way I wanted. However, I was also a people pleaser who idolized other people's favor and remained constantly anxious of other people's view on me. This was this was before I met Christ. One day, I was let I was late to my old church's youth group and heard the last few minutes of the sermon on Zacchaeus, the man who climbed the tree. Why not? The, pre- <laughs> the preacher said that before Zacchaeus met Jesus, he only knew Jesus like a celebrity, someone famous. But after encountering Jesus and having Jesus in his home, Zacchaeus truly knew Jesus personally as a savior. The pastor ended with this question, do you know Jesus personally? That night, I laid down on my bed and I realized that I didn't know Jesus. I knew all the right answers to all these different questions about the Bible yet. And I thought I knew Jesus. I know he turned water to wine, and yet I did not know Jesus. I realized, <laughs> I realized that my arrogance and my knowledge of the Bible and everything I knew, about the, I knew about Jesus was empty without knowing him as my Savior. That day, I asked him to reveal himself to me. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes to the fact that he was the only one who lived a perfect life and was nailed to the cross for the sake of my sin. He was the one who rose to life so that I could know him and come to the Father by grace and faith alone. And I believed in him. I was baptized in the name of Jesus and became a daughter of God. Soon after, I realized that I was changing. I joined a youth camp right after I got baptized and found that I spoke with confidence that I never had before. I opened myself out. I opened myself up. Though from time to time I still struggle with the fear of men and the approval of others, I began to realize slowly but surely that no matter what the people thought of me, I had the Heavenly Father that loves me no matter what, no matter how many mistakes that I make and sins that I commit. Romans 8, 38-39 says this, for I, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you come to me today, you will no longer see a girl enslaved to your own desires and continuously anxious about other people's approval. You will see a social butterfly who loves other people with the love of Jesus for the kingdom of God. I now can say that I now can say that I know Jesus and that I am a redeemed child of God. Thank you. Susie, thank you. There are so many people that know Jesus as a celebrity. Uh, They know things about him. Uh, They might even admire him. They might even want to see him. Uh, but do they know him personally? And so I ask you tonight, do you know him personally? Not do you know about him, but do you know him? Uh, great job. I'm very proud of you. You did a, a terrific job. Well, the next testimony will be the uh, fourth and the last one in the first half before we sing again. Um, this testimony comes to us from Jose Guilarte. 
and he is from New Jersey. Now, back at the end of the spring, the beginning of the summer, when Jose started coming to our church, uh, we had connected and he had uh, told me of his previous church and we had some friends in common. And I was quite certain, uh, simply because of the bridge and the toll and the traffic, uh, that we were going to see him for maybe another week or two and then he would disappear. Well, uh, as 2023 has gone on, uh, truthfully, he attends this church more than our most faithful members do and is in the process of becoming a new member right now and has been such a joy uh, to have him worship with us in this congregation. Uh, you are really going to enjoy hearing how Christ has saved him. So, Jose, come and tell us what Christ means to you. Hello, everyone. My name is Jose. Um, I was born in Cuba, and the way I got out is that in the 80s, my uncle went to prison uh, for seven years. He was charged with conspiracy against the Cuban communist government by the Cuban government. Once he got out, he applied for a political asylum to come over to the United States with his family. Uh, the same year his visa was approved, um, my mother passed away. Me and my, my sister was eight years old. I was three years old. And my aunt, my mother's sister, took it upon herself to raise us as her own children. She was the only Christian in our family. So even though her visa was approved, she refused to come unless she was able to bring us with her. Uh, it, it took about three years that she struggled uh, with my dad to convince him to get custody so she could bring us because she would have rather stayed uh, then come without us, not because we would have been left in a communist country, but because the way she saw it is that she was the only proximity to the gospel that we had in our family. But by the grace of God, um, it worked out and, and we came and, and I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, I went to a Spanish speaking Baptist church. I was there every other day. Uh, I was in, involved in ministry. I was in the uh, Christian club in, in high school. I, I but I I'd never believed. Um, I, I spoke enough Christianese to confuse people to think that I was a Christian, even myself. I thought I was a believer. I was not. To me, Christianity was always a set of rules that I had to follow in order to keep God out of the distance because I saw God as an angry father who couldn't be pleased. <clears throat> so right after high school, my family thought it was a good idea to send me to North Carolina uh, for seminary to make me more Christian. Uh, they sent me to... <laughs> S-E-B-T-S, um, that's, that's not a boy band, it's Southeastern Baptist Seminary, and um, it backfired. I, I, it was the first time I tasted freedom, and, and I just did whatever I wanted. I didn't finish my semester there, I came back to Jersey, I moved out, I completely gave myself over to my sin, I started living for myself, um, and during that time I got a job driving a limousine for a car service company. I was there for about two and a half years, and I once got a pa I picked up a passenger. His name was Roland, and we're, I'm driving him over to Newark Airport, and he lowers the divider, and he starts talking to me. Uh, and he, he goes, hey, you know, what do you think about life? At the time, I, I said, well, you know, you make your choices, and you move on. I thought that was a profound answer. It wasn't. He, he then asked... Oh, have you ever told a lie? And, and I'm like, yeah, you know, people lie all the time. And he's like, well, that would make you a liar. In the rear view, I could see him pointing at me. That would make you a liar. And, and, and I'm like, what? what? What is happening right now? Uh, he, then he asked, okay, uh, have you ever stolen anything? And, and, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, like uh, when I was a kid, we used to rob Toys R Us. Like we used to just take Ninja Turtle action figures, which, which might explain why they went out of business, but. He, and then he goes, uh, well, that would make you a thief. And um, I'm like, okay, I, I see what's going on here. Uh, he went on the, for the, la the next 30 minutes giving me a clear, simple presentation of the gospel, that God was holy, that our relationship was flawed, and that I needed to repent um, and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't like hearing that, um, and I, but I... I didn't cut him off because I was his driver and I still wanted a good tip. So I just let him roll with it. 
but it, it started really getting to me. So I stepped on the gas. I'm doing 90 to 95 miles an hour in the turnpike. I, I want this guy out of the car. We get to the airport. He gives me a Bible, ESV Bible. He asks if he could pray for me. I let him pray for me. Uh, now, at this point, I've always seen Christianity as logical, but I was always under the impression that I have all the time in the world to repent. Like, I don't know, when I'm like 73 or something, like in my head, I had a time where it was all going to work out. But as I had the Bible in the passenger seat and I was driving, I couldn't help thinking of all of the times that I could have died. When I was a teenager, I, I almost drowned. I remember drowning like, I'm, I'm going to die right now. And the lifeguard uh, saved me. I remember being in a car accident where the car was completely totaled. I get out. I didn't have a scratch on me. And the people were shocked. And I, and I was frustrated because now I'm stuck in the phone for like an hour with the insurance company, not thinking about the fact that I almost died. On that ride home, that's all I thought about. And I thought about God's holiness. And I remember what Roland said, that I needed to repent of my sin. So I start calling up all, my, all of my Christian friends and asking, salvation, is this, can I have certainty in salvation in Christianity? Um, I, I'm ready to... I'm ready to repent. You know, I'm ready to submit. I'm ready to live a boring Christian life just so I don't go to go to hell. Uh, I don't want to know Jesus. I just want hell insurance. Like, what do I have to do? Uh, which, <clears throat> which, when you think about it, it's, it's not a bad place to start because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But as I read books and that my Christian friends were so gracious with me and patient answering my questions, um, I started to realize that salvation hinged upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember listening to a sermon by Matt Chandler when I started to understand the beauty of the cross and, and the beauty of who Christ was, and I wanted to actually know him and make him known. Sometime around January of 2012, I started actually living like a Christian. I, I started to hate my sin, and I started to thirst for righteousness. Uh, so I knew the next step was to connect with a local church. I connected with a church in Jersey that shall not be named because I was a new believer. Uh, my only requirement was that they spoke English. Quickly, I realized something was off when there was like a Star Wars-themed sermon. There was a guy dressed as Chewbacca that had stormtroopers with popcorn. So I called up my friends in seminary uh, trying to find a church with sound doctrine. They recommended Maranatha Grace in Fort Lee, New Jersey. I went there for about a year. Then um, my friend came from North Carolina, planted a church in Clifton, New Jersey. I went to Christ Our Hope Church for 10 years, and now I've been at North Shore uh, for six months. When I was working for uh, the car company, I was there for about two and a half years. I never picked up the same passenger. Um, and then one day I was driving, because they were very busy. One day I was driving to pick up a passenger, and the house looked familiar. And I come out to get ready to help them with the luggage and I realized like wait that that's Roland that's that's the guy who preached to me 30 days ago and I'm like uh hey it's me Jose I believe it worked <laughs> like I'm a Christian I was all excited I couldn't shut up about it and, and and I'm talking and talking and he's like that you know that's great but but I'm, I'm gonna miss my flight I need you to, to get me to the airport so um, we're on the way to the airport and he tells me that he was encouraged by what I said because you don't always get to see the fruits of your evangelism. And I was under this impression that this was like a rate comfort professional evangelist. Um, but he said, no, every time that he would preach, he was always nervous, but he would push through the fear because of his love for lost sinners. Um, and it's because of his boldness and the grace of God that allowed me to hear the gospel and believe it at that time, that I now have eternal life in Jesus Christ. So uh, all glory be to God, and that's my testimony. Well, praise God. I think most of the time, that we share the gospel, we don't see the fruit of what happens. Uh, we are dropping seeds. We will only know in eternity uh, if uh, anybody ever listened. But every once in a while, God is kind and merciful 
to allow us uh, to see someone that we have shared the gospel with who has come to faith. And uh, brother, that is a that is a great story. And I'm 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 thankful that you're on your way to heaven. And I'm thankful that Roland was bold enough to do that. I think that that is an encouraging word for cowardly evangelists like myself. And I'm thankful to God that he allowed you to pick him up again, that he might receive that uh, that encouragement. All right, well, let's stand to our feet and let's sing to the Lord before we hear our next four testimonies. God bless you. You are dismissed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please be seated. Please be seated. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an inside joke. It's an inside joke. So the stain went deep. Now, we know uh, that the stain went deep. We know some something of our own sin, uh, but the Lord know, knows it all together. And yet, as deep as the stain went, the blood went deeper, uh, where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Uh, Jesus is a better Savior than you are a sinner. And, and some of you are very good sinners. Jesus is a better Savior than you are a sinner. Uh, praise the Lord. Well, it is our custom at North Shore Baptist Church during our Thanksgiving Eve service uh, to try every year to find a married couple who will share their testimonies together. This year, uh, what we have done is we have picked a couple who have been married for a month. Uh, Dan and Mary Suh. Dan is a deacon in our church. He's also the song leader in our church. Uh, When he first became a part of our church, our church got better. And when Mary came to our church, our church got much better, uh, as did Dan. So uh, Dan and Mary, come tell us what Christ means to you. Dan will go and then Mary, come tell us what Christ means to you. Good evening, church. My name is Dan Sa, and tonight I would like to share my testimony of God's saving grace in my life. So I was born into a church of pretending family that centered its life around the local church. We never missed a Sunday service, and my parents were heavily involved in various ministries. Even at home, my mother made it very clear to me that the Bible and prayer were very important. One of my fondest childhood memories is of my mom waking me up every morning to read the Bible together, after which she'd pray for me. Yet, despite all of this, I had no real concept of sin and didn't consider myself a sinner. That was until sometime in elementary school I heard a sermon, and I remember it was the first time I was convicted of sin and realized I was going to hell. The sermon was on unnatural relations. And I was convicted because as a younger child, I had a babysitter, an older teenage boy that took advantage of me. So listening to that sermon, I was reminded of my past and became deathly afraid of going to hell. Positively, God used what was meant for evil for good and that I realized that I was a sinner going to hell, which is the first step of realizing my need for a savior. However, negatively, This conviction didn't lead me to Jesus. Rather, I turned inward to myself and promised God that, one, I would never commit a sin like that again, and two, I would live a good Christian life. So that's what I did, or at least I thought I did. I attended church regularly, memorized all my children's church Bible verses, sang loudly at church, and as I got older, I joined the music team, helped out with projection and sound for the youth group. In high school, I joined a Christian club and became an officer of the club. And everyone around me was praising me for my spiritual growth and service. And I was assured that I was a real Christian because I felt like I was keeping that promise I had made and other people that also thought that I was a Christian. On the outside, one might say that my life then didn't look that different from what my life looks like now. But really, all of it was just superficial works. Because on the inside, I was rotten. My heart was filled with lusts, desire for power and prestige, fear of man, and self-obsession. Thankfully, God revealed this rottenness to me when I entered college. Through the ministry of the local church there, and as I read my Bible on my own time, I came to see all the different ways I fell short of the holiness of God. 
But still, my response was only to revamp my efforts towards obedience to God's word so that I could be assured that I was really a Christian. But quickly, I became confused and frustrated. I would feel good about myself when I had good weeks in which I read my Bible every day and prayed every day, but I would be had bad weeks as well when I would immediately question my salvation. The continual ups and downs of my performance and therefore the ups and downs of my assurance led me to think that God was a cruel God. As I was having my eyes opened to my sin, God just seemed like a slave master who required perfection. And yet, what's crazy was that I still leaned on myself, because at least I took my obedience seriously and felt really bad when I was sinning. But then, one day, the straw castle of obedience I had built and sought refuge in came crashing down, when a brother I respected implied that I may not be saved. And by the grace of God, rather than turn to myself this time, the Lord caused me to fear and brought me to my knees and my Bible. I spent the following week researching how to have assurance of salvation, reading Christian books and reading the Bible. And it was during this week that I discovered and understood for the first time the wonderful doctrine of justification, which teaches that a sinner like myself could be declared righteous without having a perfect righteousness of my own. It taught that if I acknowledged I had no righteousness of my own and rather turned to Christ, Christ's perfect righteousness, because Jesus never sinned, could be mine. And the moment I came to believe in my justification through Christ and realized that salvation was not dependent on my works, but on the work of Christ on the cross, an overwhelming sense of peace filled me, and I knew that I was saved. Since that day, that peace has thankfully never left. Perhaps ironically from the outside, it would seem like not much has changed before and after I came to repent and believe in my salvation and justification in Christ alone. I still serve the church and try to live out a life of obedience to God's word, which I don't do perfectly, you can ask my wife, but now I'm not motivated by fear of condemnation or motivated by my own pride, but rather motivated by my love for a God that loved me and justified me through his son. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mary Sa, and this is my testimony. I was born to a family that faithfully attended the local church, and that's where I grew up learning that God loved me and would never leave me. When I was about eight or nine, I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of my dad leaving our apartment. I still remember that night. I remember seeing him in the elevator, not trying to look into my eyes. He turned his face away, and I chased him down the stairs, and I was flinging myself. And as I got to the bottom, he was already getting into the taxi. He had all of his things in the taxi, and he didn't look at me once. Um, he left, and he ended up leaving the country for good that night. I didn't really understand what was happening, but at that time, my parents were separating. And soon enough, the reasons why my parents were separating became very public, and it got ugly very quickly. My mom, brother, and I, we were all ostracized at church, and it felt like everywhere we went, everybody was gossiping about our dirty laundry. And soon after that, my mom and my brother, they were out of the house, and they were out of my life for most of my life for a very, very long time. And I hated them all for this because they left me. I continued attending church, but my heart was hardened to the word and to God. I couldn't believe in a God who claimed to love me and yet would leave me abandoned at a very early age. I was bitter, angry, hungry a lot of the times, empty and sad. I felt forgotten and denied of my basic needs for food, shelter, and love. In the passing years, I rejected my mom the same way that the church rejected her because she left me when I most needed her. And when my dad came to visit me in the United States for the first time in almost 10 years, I let his 28-hour flight go to waste. Hate swelled in my heart, and it came out in the worst ways. In high school, I stopped attending church, and I got a job at H Mart. And I did that to put money on the table for myself and try to save up so I could put myself through college. But by God's grace, after about a year, I started looking for a church to attend. 
I also picked up my Bible again, and every time I read it, there was one passage in the New Testament that I would always get stuck on because I couldn't understand it. I couldn't comprehend why Jesus, while nailed to the cross, would cry out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I started to question what that even meant. Was Jesus abandoned by God? How could God, a God of love, a father to Jesus, do that? How could he let his son hang on the cross and turn his face away? How could he abandon his son? How does someone do that to another person? It was a question I had been asking my whole life. But you see, I had hated God for the very thing that he saved me from. God the Father had really abandoned his perfect and sinless son, Jesus, who willingly went on the cross, and he did that for me. So that this hate-filled, angry sinner who deserved eternal death could have her sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ and be called a child of God. Jesus was abandoned on that cross so that I could never fear being abandoned by my Heavenly Father. It's been about 15 years since I have accept, accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And in that time, God has softened my heart. He's allowed me to be reconciled to both of my parents. And just last month, we got married. And on our wedding day, I got to see them after 20-something years, see each other for the first time and be reconciled to one another and share a respectful dance on the dance floor. But even that joy that I felt from that reconciliation between them pales to the joy that I feel being reconciled to God, and that was through my Savior, Jesus Christ. So friends, I ask you tonight, if you have not been reconciled with God, I urge you to be reconciled to Him tonight. Repent, turn to Jesus who saves sinners like you and me, and experience this joy. Thank you. First of all, Dan, I think that is a timely word for perhaps many here tonight who are outwardly moral, who are very involved in the local church, and if you would look at them, you would certainly conclude that they were Christians. Um, but what did Jesus say? Uh, they wash the outside, but inside are dead men's bones. And I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit revealed to you uh, that you were dead and that you were lost, even though outwardly uh, you were moral and comparatively good. Uh, you needed Christ as much as anyone that ever lived, and I'm glad that God revealed himself to you. And I would just say to everyone here tonight, uh, to churchgoers, to church members um, who have uh, a sense of morality, but yet they're trusting in themselves, uh, you're trusting in your works, you are looking toward your, your pride, um, you need Jesus, you need to be saved. Mary, I think that all of us know, but probably not to the degree that you do, uh, that we in this lifetime will be let down by other people and by the people who we are closest to. We have experienced that. Uh, you've experienced that uh, to a very heightened degree, but it was through that that you came to discover and to really cherish the fact that God uh, abandoned his son so that we might be saved. Uh, friends, you do need to know this. Uh, if you don't know this already, you just need to live a little bit longer. Uh, people are going to let you down, uh, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, uh, and he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so praise God that uh, Christ was abandoned by the Father, and now uh, you are a child of God. Uh, two excellent testimonies, and may uh, you, as you live out your married lives, may you look back uh, upon tonight, uh, a month after you were married, may you look back upon tonight uh, with joy, and might this be a precious memory for you, that you got to speak of the goodness of God before the people of God. Our next testimony. Uh, I remember when she was born. Uh, Heather Nunez, I can remember the 10th day of October, 2002. 
Uh, I can remember when you were a little girl and you used to call me Eddie Ed. Uh, uh, but I want to say, knowing that you were, were born and what a joy it was, I, I literally remember that day. Um, hearing that you were born again is a far greater joy for me. Uh, I'm going to let you tell your own story, but before you do, um, I just want to tell you, and I want the church to know this, of the countless times, and I mean countless, I cannot count them, uh, countless times that your sister would request prayer for you and would pray earnestly for you. Um, you gave your testimony on the front lawn in August before your baptism. That was abbreviated tonight. We want to hear the full story. So Heather Nunez, come tell us what Christ means to you. Hello, my name is Heather Nunez, and I grew up here at North Shore, and I was under sound preaching of the gospel for as long as I can remember. And I was in carpenter shop and youth group, and I went to youth camp, and I was just very involved in the church, and all my friends were in this church, and my whole family was here. And when I went to youth camp for the first time, I was 11 years old, and I had an emotional experience after one of the sermons, and I was crying, and one of my leaders asked me what happened, and they asked me if I had gotten saved. And I knew what this meant because I grew up here, and I've always heard about getting saved. So I just said yes, and um, I just decided to live with that title for a couple of years following that. And I was a professing believer, but I had no fruit in my life and no love for the Lord at all in my heart. And I convinced myself that I could have been a Christian because I was a good child, and I never really did anything that was outrageously bad. And But deep down, I knew that I did not love Jesus in my heart. And at the end of high school, I began rebelling and was sure that I was unsaved. And I was proud to be an unbeliever, and I was proud to be living in my sin. And I loved it, and I loved the world so much. Then I moved away to college, and I continued to follow these desires of my sinful heart while willingly disobeying the Lord. Although I was free and doing whatever I wanted in this world, I was miserable and lifeless and dead inside, and I could find no lasting fulfillment in anything that this world had to offer. No matter what I did, no matter what I tried, I was always left empty every single time. And in January of this year, the Lord began convicting me of my abundant sin and showed me how bad I really was and how much I needed him in my life. I randomly began reading my Bible and began praying as a form of comfort and familiarity from my past, and I still had no true understanding of the gospel in my heart. I knew what it was in my head, but um, I didn't believe it, and I didn't desire to know God at this point. After sitting with the heavy weight of my sin for many months, the Lord began opening my eyes to the gospel through his word and soften my heart to the truth that I was never able to comprehend on my own doing. It became clear and real to me for the first time that God loved me through my disobedience, rebellion, and constant unbelief. By the grace of God, I realized I could do nothing to save myself from my sin and eternal wrath in hell. For the first time, I knew I was deserving of eternal punishment. He revealed to me that there is a way to salvation that has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with his perfect son, Jesus Christ. Instead of me being punished for my own sins on the day of judgment, God punished his sinless son, Jesus, on the cross. He defeated sin and death through his resurrection and is alive, creating a bridge between sinners and our Heavenly Father today. The Lord gave me a repentant heart and led me to believe in this truth and put my faith in the precious blood of Christ. Through repentance and belief in Christ, we have the free gift of perfect righteousness. There is hope for sinners because of God's love and Christ's sacrifice. In Christ, I am a new creation and can experience genuine peace, joy, and fulfillment in Him. The Lord has made many evident changes in my life and my desires after coming to know Christ. 
I used to spend all of my time with unbelievers while committing sinful acts, but now my desire is to spend time with Christ lovers while striving for holiness and the glorification of our God. The Lord has also given me the desire to spend my time serving this church and loving this church family well, and desiring to know him deeper through precious time in his word and prayer. I am so thankful that the Lord brought me to my lowest and made me his child in the midst of my deep sinfulness and for his endless grace and mercy in my life, which I do not deserve. Thank you. So first of all, thank God for misery. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that makes us miserable in our sin. Otherwise, if, if we continued to enjoy it, we would never come to him. Also, I would say to everyone, use tonight's recording of this to evangelize your friends. And when you do, fast forward to testimony number seven. And when it gets to the gospel presentation that she just gave, um, I'll say a couple of things about this. First of all, um, women are not supposed to preach, but if they were allowed, you'd be a really good preacher. Uh, uh, that was superb. Uh, I try in every sermon that I preach to give the gospel, and I have never in 40 years of ministry given a better gospel presentation than she gave in the last half of her testimony. I'm very serious. Go back, listen to that. Every syllable of it is life-giving truth, and I am so proud of you, and I'm so happy that you're alive. Praise God. Praise God. All right. All right, all right. Now for the reason that you've all come. <laughs> to hear Roy Valley's testimony. I can remember back in the winter of 1993. This was a very small church at the time. There were very few young people in the church. And I remember my wife, who at the time was teaching a Tuesday morning ladies Bible study for young ladies. Uh, Marion Hewer would have been in that number. That tells you how long ago that was. Uh, she let me know one Tuesday morning. She said, Ed, you're not going to believe this. This morning, two ladies came, two young ladies came to the Bible study. That was Maria Valley and her sister-in-law, Sharon Langone. Um, I'm going to let Roy tell his own story of how he came to faith, but I can tell you of the exciting days of 1993 when one member after another of the Valley family came to know Christ, when we were less than a year into this ministry and when we saw them come to Christ. And I, I am certain that Roy does not remember the date of his salvation. I do. It was Saturday, May 1st, 1993, at his mother's house, 167th Street uh, 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 in Flushing. I remember that when his brother had come into town. I remember that and the joy that filled my heart. Um, honestly, I would love to just tell your story, but, but, but because I know your memory's going, but you come tell your story. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. <laughs> I'm blessed to have uh, a testimony to share with you tonight. I was born the sixth of eight children. Um, I had a great childhood, uh, but sadly, my dad passed away when I was very young. And uh, my mom had to raise us all on her own. She was a registered nurse and worked a night shift to support us. Um, she worked really hard and never, ever complained. Um, I miss her dearly. Um, <clears throat> uh, this set the tone for my life. I never wanted to do anything to uh, discourage my mom, bring her to despair, or disappoint her. Uh, I wanted to be the good son. Unfortunately, I failed many times, but not in big ways. So I always thought I was a, a better son than I was a bad son. Uh, 
You know, my desire in my life was to be the good son, the good brother, and a good friend to everyone I knew. Uh, looking back on that, um, I think God used my fear of getting caught or disappointing people in my life to keep me from being as bad as I could be. I really do. Um, when I got married to my beautiful wife, Maria, I tried real hard to be the good husband. And when we had our children, Danielle, Matthew, and Alana, I wanted to be the good dad. Um, I didn't have much need for God in my life, even though I went to uh, 12 years of Catholic school and was raised a Catholic. I always thought that I was better at being good than being, being bad. I never thought of bad things that I did as sin, just as bad things. It just passed over me, just moved on to the next thing in my life. Um, then 30 years ago, by God's sovereign providence, I found myself in the back of this church. Uh, Pastor Vernon Allen from Jamaica was uh, doing a Bible conference. I don't remember what he was preaching on, but I do remember what happened to me that night. I was convicted and overcome with tremendous fear as he preached the gospel. As he preached, I could not, I could not reason within my mind that I was more good than bad. I was totally convicted that I was a sinner going to hell. I was overwhelmed. Fear just literally filled my body, filled my soul. Uh, I was shaking. Uh, Pastor Red uh, had an altar call at the end of the preaching. I was too shaken to get up and walk up. But when he asked, does anyone here want me to pray for you? Man, my hand went up so fast, right? Uh, so, so fast. It was like a rocket. Um, for the next few weeks after that, every morning I woke up knowing I was going to hell. I knew it in my heart I was going to hell. All day long it was with me. I could not stop thinking about it. But I began reading the Bible, attending church here, listening to the preaching. My heart began to hear and understand the good news of the gospel. Yes, I was a sinner going to hell for the sins against God, a holy God. All the good that I thought I did in my life, in God's eyes, was filthy rags. It was worthless, nothing. He despised all my good deeds. But God, and I love that expression, but God, but God had a way of escape for me. The word of God says that Jesus was born of a virgin, sinless, lived a perfect, sinless life. Tempted in every way as I was, but without sin. Jesus was the true good son, good brother, and good friend. So much so that scripture says God himself declared that Jesus, was my, is, my, Jesus is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I began to believe in my heart and soul that Jesus died on the cross for me taking all my sin upon himself and paying for the price of hell that I deserved. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and Jesus died the death that I deserved. The death of eternal damnation. Through his resurrection, I know that God is satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice for my sin. And by faith, I know that God will not look at me at the time of judgment, but look on the perfect life and righteousness of Jesus Christ in my place. I surrendered my life on that Saturday, which I didn't remember the date. I surrendered my life to the irresistible knowledge of God's saving grace towards me. I received the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit at God's good pleasure, not by any merit of my own. Ephesians 2 tells us, you are saved by grace through faith. It is not of our own doing. It's a gift of God, least any man should boast. Now, I love the Bible. I love the word of God. I love to pray. I love to be around the people of God. I love to fellowship with them. And now when trials enter my life, I don't look to myself first. I look to God. 
My walk, my walk as a believer this past 30 years and until the Lord calls me home has not been perfect and will not be perfect. But when sin is in my life, I repent and I'm convicted. I desire to be more like Jesus every day. I'm humbled by my sin, but it points me to the cross. And my repentance continues to remind me that I will not be judged on my life, but on the perfect righteousness and life of Jesus Christ, my Savior. One day, my faith will be sight. No fear anymore. No fear. Only peace. And I will fully know the love of God in Christ Jesus. And God will declare that day, Roy, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Thank you. Amen. My name is Roy Valley. And my testimony is 47 handwritten pages. <laughs> Brother, I want, I want to say this. First of all, if in my mind there was any doubt whatsoever as to whether or not there is a God and there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ, I can just look at you because there is no sociological experiment which would explain a man coming from darkness into light and maintaining a walk with the Lord for 30 years. It is good for me to hear the other seven testimonies, and they have all filled my heart with joy. But brother, your, your testimony, it's your words, but it is your life. Uh, it is your life, which is a testimony to the fact that Jesus saves. And my heart is filled with joy in seeing what he has done and is doing and over three decades uh, has done for you. So praise God. Can we thank all of our testimonies tonight? Great job. Yes. Yeah.